Welcome back to the 150K podcast, everybody, where we help you go from broke to six figures and beyond. Today, I have with me a special guest, Cesar Espino, um, number one international best-selling author, podcaster, real estate guru, mind coach. Man, you pretty much do everything, really. Yeah, you know, I, did, I do a little bit of everything. And it didn't start it that way, though, but, but I do it for sure. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, I mean, we met, I want to say, two, three years ago, at least. We were in a bunch of different groups on yeah. Facebook. I don't remember exactly how we made the connection, but like with Carmen and all the different people in our circle. Um, for the people that don't know you yet, give a little bit of a background of where you came from, what you're doing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, and, and I think it's been definitely about two, three years that we we actually met through some sort of uh uh, you know, we have a lot of people in common, right? Yep. Uh, uh, definitely, uh, my background, uh, I was actually uh, born in Mexico City. So I, I came to the States at the age of 10. And I always tell people that my story really began when I was a kid. And, and I say that because I, you know, as many families, I, I would say, um, I was one of those families that didn't really have anything to show for. Um, and even growing up, I've never met my, uh, biological father. I, you mm-hmm. know, I don't even know his name, don't know who he is. So literally I was just born to one parent, my mom. And, uh, it's, it's like, you know, going back, right. I, I remember, uh, being a kid, not having, you know, a lot of different things. Uh, I, at the age of four, my mom decided to take uh, her own leap of faith and decided to leave Mexico and come to the States to be able to provide for me and, and, and my grandmother, who she ended up leaving me with, uh, her mom, and my older brother. And to me, that was kind of a pivotal moment because um, I started working at the age of four. You know, I started oh, wow. doing things. We didn't have, um, you know, a house to, per se. We had what we called a home, which was literally just a, a, a room made out of plywood, sheet metal, uh, right on top of their floor, mm-hmm. no electricity, no water, none of that stuff. And it was under 200 square feet and we were all living there. And, you know, obviously we, we definitely enjoyed it and it was good. Uh, again, though, that was my condition. And I start with that story because at the end of the day is the truth. Number two, um, it, I've learned so much from that perspective, right? Working at an early age, uh, not being able to do any, be a kid um, mm-hmm. definitely has, uh, uh, is going to leave you with some sort of impact in your near future. And um, I actually remember a couple of times we didn't even have anything to eat. I said we used to have the uh, Mexican specialty dish, which is literally a tortilla with a grain of salt. And that's all we have for days oh, in wow. and days out. And, you know, just kind of going through all of that. Finally, I came to the States at the age of 10. Uh, be- before that, so many different things happened. As a matter of fact, I talk about this in one of my books. Uh, you can overcome anything, even when the world says no. I talk mm-hmm. about that story there. When I came to the States, though, here's a lesson that I want to be able to leave with your with, with the listeners, is that uh, I finally, for the first time, came to the States, did not have to worry about working, did not have to worry about not having uh, an, an okay house. And I'm not saying that my mom had everything here. We were still renting. Mm-hmm. I said the poverty level here was way different than it was back home. Yep. Here, I had more. I had clothes. I actually have shoes. I, it's funny. I actually just put up a picture on, on, on Instagram today, and you can see the clothes that I'm wearing. It looks mm-hmm. like it was a Halloween custom, and really is because I didn't have clothes. When I came to the States, though, um, I felt out of place, though. I felt like I didn't fit in. I, I couldn't read, write, uh, or communicate with the language. Mm-hmm. And for the first time, I saw so many different people from different uh, backgrounds. 
and I didn't know how to deal with that. And I remember uh, one time I was uh, arguing with my stepdad, who I see as my dad now. I was arguing with my stepdad, and I said, you know what? I do not belong here. Send me back to Mexico. Mm-hmm. Here's the lesson that I want to leave with you. In that, in that, in that place there, I was um, so afraid of being uncomfortable in this great nation that I was okay going back to what I was, what I used to be comfortable with, being poor, not having anything. All of these different things came into play because I was afraid of being uncomfortable because I didn't fit in because I couldn't understand the language. I have no friends, all these different things. And so that's the lesson that I realized that, you know what, sometimes you have to be uncomfortable to be able to step into a greater place or space in your life. And so what did I do? I surrender. I didn't surrender to give up. I surrendered to accept what was in front of me. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, I surrendered to realize that, you know what, this is a time for me to analyze and change something in, in, in my life. And yes, I get, I was only 10. Well, within two years, I uh, learned the language. I became a really good student. I was, I literally embraced the change mm-hmm. and I decided not to fall into gangs or any of that stuff. I decided to actually be committed to my academics and to my life. And so I could definitely take the story forever. No, no, uh, that's, good. But- <laughs> that's good. So, so I have a question on that because yeah. at 10 year old, most 10 year olds don't think that way. How did you, was there, what was the pivotal, what made you do the mind shift to be like, okay, you said I surrendered. So there's a lot of people listening to this that maybe are facing stuff and they're maybe thinking, you know, I could go back to the job that I don't like or the life that I, you know, it's comfortable. It sucks, but it's comfortable. How did you make that shift? Yeah, I think for me, and, and, and again, I looking back now, I I realized those are the things that were taking place. And I think it, it really came down to the disciplines and the structure that my grandmother, when I was in Mexico, really built upon me, right? Mm-hmm. And, and again, because we didn't have an option, our option was to actually work. Otherwise, we couldn't put in any foot on the table. And we did so many different things, you know, again, growing up, whether I was working at the flea market, whether I, I know how to uh, sew clothing, I had mm-hmm. my own sewing machine. So we did a lot of those different things. And so it was really understanding now that back then I was making a choice because I had the choice to uh, go into gangs. Uh, you know, I'm glad my, my, my dad or my mom didn't send me back to Mexico. Uh, otherwise we wouldn't have, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Right. However, although they, they said no to me and I'm glad they did. I still had the choice to say, you know what, screw this. I'm just going to, you know, fall into what I saw a lot. And, and I talk about this in my book too. I saw many different people coming to this great nation and they throw away the opportunity by falling into gangs, by falling into drugs, by doing all these different things. Mm-hmm. At that time, I chose not to do that. I chose to say, you know what, um, my parents, my mom, my grandmother, they have made a sacrifice for me to be able to be here. I have to be able to give back. Uh, I think it was um, President Roosevelt, if I remember correctly. And he said, the, uh, the greatest gift that I have is, is the love that I have for my, my loving mother, right? Mm-hmm. I have the ability to have two of them. And so I got to be able to give back. So to me, it was really that. Sometimes you have to understand that you have to do things not necessarily for you, although you do. Sometimes you're doing things for other people. It could be your daughter your, or your kids, your wife, your parents. And that it becomes your motivation. I think for me back then, it was that. It was like, yeah, I can go you know, left, let me just go right and see where, where this is going to take me. No, no, I love that because it was like they had instilled those values in you and you felt a obligation maybe in the beginning or right. like, like with me with sales and stuff, I had a chip on my shoulder because 
I needed to prove that I could do this. I didn't have to be a factory worker, grow up and just do what you do in the Midwest, you know, and, right. and living here, like I've been in Mexico City in Mexico and I understand what you mean by the people take for granted what we have here. Mm -hmm. I, I will give you that. Now I'm not saying everything's perfect. Don't take it that way. Yet, right. But right. Um, yeah, that, that, that's crazy. So going from, like you said, not knowing what you're going to eat, not knowing all that stuff to being a number one international author, doing all the different stuff. Um, I know everyone thinks it's an overnight success, but there were steps along the way. Can you walk us through that a little bit? Yeah, it, and it, it, I'm glad you mentioned that um, because it really, it is, it is that. It, it is one of those things where you have to just walk with certainty. You have to have that faith. You have to trust in the process and believe that what you're doing is going to give you those results, even when you don't see them. Mm -hmm. And so even for me, and I'm still going to take you back to this journey because I think it's very critical to understand that. Even for me at, at, you know, at the age of 12, when I was able to learn the language and I was doing good in school and all this stuff, I had another uh, very uh, interesting moment in my, in my life another one of those turning points and perhaps my biggest turning point at the age of 15 um when i was 15 i decided or maybe it was a, not necessarily a decision uh, <laughs> what ended up happening is my girlfriend at the time uh and i say we but it was really more her we got pregnant mm -hmm. and so now i'm a kid having a kid yep uh i ended up having my daughter at the age of 16 and and to me that was like wow like again I, i've been here in the u.s for five years now uh, I'm a kid having a kid and I'm like, how am I going to do this? Like, what am I going to do? And I remember going back to this one principle and I, and I looked at my daughter and I said, you know what? I am going to do whatever I can to make sure that you don't have to work the way I did. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to make sure that you have everything that I didn't have as a kid. Yeah. So again, that became another one of those motivations. So sure enough, I continued with school. I was working um, uh, at the movie theaters. I was doing all these different things, you know, going to school full time, having all these AP classes and then working literally 40 hours, taking the bus, uh, you know, an hour to get to work and an hour to come back home and do homework and all that stuff. And I say that because, again, what is the commitment? What is that one commitment that you have for yourself? Yes, although I was doing this for my daughter, um, I was also doing this for myself, right? And so I went on with that with 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 that journey, graduated from high school with honors, and then I went back to to school, uh, and I went to get my my uh, associates in computer network, and then my bachelor's in information technology. Along that that along that I my my daughter's mom and I had some difficult challenges, and mm -hmm. and I think part of it is you know, and and th this is the other point too. Sometimes you have to recognize. Uh, your position and you have to recognize that you may be uh, the one that needs some work. Mm -hmm. And I say that because I didn't have a father figure, uh, you know, really. And I was very angry. I was a very angry person. I had uh, this attitude that led me to really bad decisions. It led me to a confrontation with my daughter's mom that put me in jail. And that right there is like, wow. Like again, another one of those moments where I got hit really bad. Looking back on that, I'm like, you know, um, that's it. I lost everything I, that I've been working on, except I have to redeem myself and I have to prove myself once again that that failure or that lesson was not going to take the best of me. And, and, and you kind of keep going back to that that moment, you know? Yeah, no, no, that's that's perfect. And it's like you keep coming to a point in your life where you think, oh, maybe I got it. And then something else happens and you have to reassess right. and move forward. Um, no, that's really good, man. That's really good. Um, a lot of times I, I have found that same type of thing. Little things 
having the kid, having kids changed my life. I was 24 when we had our first one, got married to my high school sweetheart. It was just crazy. Oh crap. Now I got to go be the man. And I did multiple right. jobs. I did all the different yeah. stuff. So right. how did you go from, you know, being the man working, doing all this stuff to getting into writing books, doing coaching, doing your own podcast. I mean, there's so many different things that you do. So after you, you know, had that moment and you said you're going to go prove yourself for your daughter and, and you again, yep. did it, you just start doing the entrepreneurial school stuff or did it? Was so so I, I kind of did. Yeah, I kind of did. I think after I came out of, I came out of that, that challenge, uh, I, I said, you know, I got to work on myself, you know, for things to, to get better, I got to get better. And so at that time, I, I actually had gone back to, to, um, to school. I went back for my master's degree. Um, I was working at corporate America. I started doing real estate investing um, at, at uh, the age of 25, um, had my first property at the age of 25, then 26 and 27, kind of went through that journey. And then uh, the downturn on 2008 to 2010, I literally lost it all. Again, another slap on the face. I literally lost all my properties. I was foreclosed. I was in huge debt. I, everything just went down the drain. And I'm like, you know what? This journey of being an entrepreneur is not for me. And so I kept going. I kept working in corporate America and, you know, got my, my, my MBA and, and kept doing that. And I would say around 2006, I got reintroduced, 2005, I got reintroduced to real estate investing. And I said, you know what, let me give this a second chance. Mm -hmm. Let me go back at it. And I think all of the, the, the idea of becoming an entrepreneur uh, became or came from me being a kid, working as a kid. Like, you know, making something, whether you're making 25 cents or you're making $100, it doesn't matter. It was just creating something for others, right? And so I think that was the idea that got me back into this journey into real estate investing. And sure enough, I started doing real estate investing while I was working full time in mm -hmm. my job. Um, fast forward a couple of years later, um, I felt like I went to what I consider to be some of my darkest moments, not because I was doing drugs or doing any of that stuff more so because I had lost myself within myself, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, there's a quote by Les Brown, uh, uh, sorry, by uh, uh, an African proverb that says, if there's no enemy within, there's no enemy outside that can do you no harm. Except I had all these things in my head that really made me do, uh, uh, make wrong decisions. I lost a relationship of 10 years and I just needed to reinvent myself all over again. That's when I decided to get back into networks, uh, masterminds, and I started working through that. And that's where I met a lot of the different people. Um, at that moment, I made the decision to say, you know what, there's something more bigger for me than just working in corporate America. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I said, you know what, let me continue with my real estate investing. Let me work on that niche by itself. And through that, I got introduced to the idea of what about if I talk about my story? What about if I do a book? And Here's how things are really funny. And, and, and again, people don't see that. Um, sometimes the one person that's going to talk you out of doing something is not your mom, your wife, your kids, or anybody like that. It's yourself. Yep. I talked myself out of writing the book because I, I started telling myself, like, Caesar, who are you kidding? No one's going to read your book. Uh, you're not a writer. You yourself don't like to read. And I started telling these things to myself. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, that's right. Yep. Like, what am I going to do? Why am I going to do this? And, you know, I talked myself out of doing that. Uh, and then about three months later, I changed the narrative in my head. I'm like, so what if nobody reads my books? So what if I don't sell any copies? 
What about if I do this for myself? What about if I do this as a self-accomplishment? Mm-hmm. What about if I do this so that I can leave something behind for my daughter when I'm gone? Yep. When I changed that narrative, things started falling into place. I created a strategic plan. Uh, I don't call them goals. I call them plans. I, mm-hmm. I started, I, I, I created a strategic plan and put myself a deadline as to when I was going to have my book done and published. And I finished two, two, two months prior which was, you know, I was super grateful putting out that book. I've got so many, so much great reviews and, and just c- kind of going through that. So I went from real estate to now being an author. Mm-hmm. And, you know, shortly after that, I started coming up with more ideas, more ideas. And and, and now I, I'm in my uh, eighth book right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, three of them are uh, number one best international sellers. I have one more coming up in, in about two more weeks or so. Uh, I have my own podcast called You Can Overcome Anything podcast show. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, I'm following the, the, what is your highest intention for me is the idea of let me follow something that is not only going to impact my life, except it's going to impact other people's lives. Right. And Six Sigler talks about this. When you give enough people what they want, you're going to get everything that you, that you always wanted. No, that that's phenomenal. And I think a lot of people listening to this show and on your podcast, which is amazing, um, are kind of going through that. Like I'm in the corporate world right now been doing mm-hmm. it for a while. And I'm starting to make that transition. It's kind of funny you said that because it's like I kept playing around with it and I kept getting on people's podcasts and it's just like, okay, God, the universe is pushing me this way. What if I just don't like I just should just do it. So that's why I put the podcast and everything else. I'm just like, you know what, if no one listens to it because you said that, I'm like, I'm doing it for me. It just like like, that was the exact same thing. I like it. The people I'm talking to, I like it's great. Um, So with that and you do the the coaching as well. what's next for you? Like, are you going to keep doing the writing and all, or do you see a different direction going for you? What yeah. You yeah. It's right now, uh, I kind of looked at all the things that I have going on and, and essentially I'm focusing on four different things. Um, I'm going to continue to do the, the real estate investing. Uh, within that, I do different strategies, whether it's either uh, wholesaling or flipping properties or even mentoring people that want to get into uh, real estate investing. And they've never done any of that. Uh, so I'm going to continue to do that. Uh, the second thing is I will continue to do book publishing. Uh, and that comes in different forms. Uh, one is me doing my own books mm-hmm. uh, and, and also collaborating with other people and also people that maybe they want to do their own book and they don't, they just do not know the, the ins and the outs and they need somebody to be their publisher, the editor and things like that. That's where I come in. Um, and then my coaching, my coaching is consisted of uh, not only business coaching, it's also consistent on uh, one-on-one uh, with limited beliefs, emotions, relationships, and things of that nature uh, based on NLP, uh, neuro-linguistic programming uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, principles. Uh, and then the last one is my podcast. I really enjoy talking to people. Um, as, as you can see, this is, it's awesome to get different people's point of view. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one thing that I learned doing, I think I'm on my 170th episode now one thing that i've learned on my podcast is that the message is huge for the people that are listening and it's also huge for me as 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 the host because you get so many different uh uh ideas and you get so many things that i'm like wow like i didn't see it that perspective so it's, it's, it's definitely not only helping other people it's mm-hmm. helping me in many different aspects no that's awesome that's very cool so I always like to ask this question. It's kind of a, an off question. I asked it to my yeah. last guest. You know her, I think, uh, Jenny McKinney. Yeah. And I said, okay, so if you could go back in time or forward in time for one year, where would you go and what would you learn? 
Ooh, you go okay. forward or backwards. You choose. Can meet help anyone you want to meet with. What would you choose? I would say. I would say definitely go back to maybe my early twenties and go talk to myself. And and the reason why I say that is because again, if I known if, if I would have known then what I know now, mm-hmm. I would have made different decisions and choices. And I always tell people, and specifically now, I believe that the choices and the decisions that we make today will determine the quality of life that we have tomorrow. Well, growing up, you know, although I've made some good decisions, I made a lot of stupid decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't thinking that way. I was saying I didn't have the mindset. And I think, you know, the, the one person that we have to be able to uh, really uh, support and we have to really... Uh, show off to is is the person you see in the mirror yourself yep and sometimes we forget that right we're so easily uh we're so easy judging ourselves calling ourselves names and saying oh i'm dumb on this and whatever the case may be oh i messed up again like we're so e- we're so easy and doing that to ourselves that we have to have more love and compassion mm-hmm. to ourselves just like you would be giving somebody a, a good advice give yourself that advice and so for me i think it's going back to my myself and 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 really teaching that one person, my, my, my younger self, uh, the things and uh, principles that I know now. Yeah, no, that's good. I actually, I learned that I went to my first mastermind uh, about a month ago. And one of the things we had to do was look at the other person and tell them what we liked about them. Or mm-hmm. I like you for this reason. And then doing like affirmations. And I've been working on that because like, you know, I'm in sales, you're in sales yep. business, that stuff. And yep. it's a cutthroat type of thing sometimes. And you're, most of the time people are like hitting you with hard stuff or what you, what did you do now? And so I had to sit down and go, no, I am loved. I can do this. I am worthy. Right. And it's, it's just, it's a mindset shift that I just like, I just found that and I'm like yeah. 44. So that, yeah. that's a great point. Yeah, definitely. I, I got to tell you, I, I think when I started uh, maybe three years ago, um, you know, I, I do affirmations too. And one of the things that was very hard for me to do, and that's so easy to do, uh, it was to look at myself in the mirror and, and, and tell myself, Caesar, I love you. Caesar, I appreciate you. Caesar, mm-hmm. I thank you. That one was very difficult for me to see myself in the mirror and say that to myself. Yet I kept going and going and going because at the end of the day, if nobody's going to tell you that, you better freaking tell it to yourself. Yep. Because again, you have to live with yourself and sleep with yourself every single day. Do you think that's a man thing? Because like I have a very hard time saying that. I can say I love you to my kids. I can say yeah. it to my wife. I can say it to my dog. But looking at myself and saying, I love you, it just yeah. feels weird. I'm working on it, but it just feels it, weird. I got to tell you, I, I think it is. I think it's that macho thing. I mean, it, it, it was definitely weird for me uh, to do that and, and to just look at myself in the mirror. I'm like, I'll be looking away and, you know, and, and saying those things. Uh, and and I think it's part of that. Like, we're built to be macho. We're built to to, you know, not have any kind of emotion, you know, mm-hmm. or doing those things like, oh, you know, you're already this and that. Um, so I do believe that, except I believe that, again, is one of those things where um, when you start, and I, I think I see this more now, as you're getting older, you start realizing that self-love is so critical and so important. Mm-hmm. And even the idea of, I do not care what people think of me, uh, becomes more of a an idea that you really want to foster. I know for me, and I speak for myself growing up, like I would always be worried about what other people are going to think about me. I wouldn't be comfortable getting in front of the mirror and doing all these things, you know? And, and again, you know, I, you know, it, when you're chasing your dreams, right. 
um, it gets lonely on the top because it's the bottom that's overcrowded. Mm-hmm. And yep. so when you look at it from that perspective, it's like, yeah, I'd rather be on top because I'm chasing those dreams, even if that's just me, myself, and I, um, versus having 20, 30, 40 different people that perhaps are not really supporting my dreams and or are, are not helping me move forward, you know? Yeah, yeah. I'd rather have a small circle that's going yep. with me trying to do stuff than a bunch of people that are just pulling me back. I'm with you there. Right. So right. the other question I always like to ask, what are your daily habits or routines? You're successful. Success leaves clues. What are like must-haves for you every day? Yeah, so for me, uh, one of the things that I, that I started doing, again, is uh, it goes back to um, – to, to that saying, and I think it was Jim, Jim Brown that said it, uh, for things to get better, you must get better, right? And so one of the things that I decided to do is really change the dynamics of everything that I did. Before I would spend a lot of time on watching TV, news, things that were just not really serving me for no real purpose. Um, now I've changed all of that and I do uh, daily things. I do, these are the things that I do. First thing that I do when I wake up, um, I drink a glass of water, right? Your body needs to get hydrated because overnight you, mm-hmm. you lose all of that. So you have to get hydrated. That's why people get tired. They go get coffee. Instead of getting coffee, get a cup of water first. Yep. Um, and then what I do is I do affirmations. Um, I do uh, gratitude. I do uh, meditation and I go out for, for a walk. I exercise. And that is the same thing that I do right before I go to sleep. Throughout the day, I have a, a, a little journal and I say, here are the things that I have to accomplish. I'm old fashioned, so I like to check them off that I am mm-hmm. actually getting those things done, right? And so, um, so yeah, those are the four things that I literally do. Uh, even if I'm traveling, I, I take my notebook. I, I do all of that. I do journaling every day too, right? Um, and, um, and, you know, as part of the, the, the 75 heart, which I, lo- I love that is, you know, kind of doing the reading too. So if I'm not reading, I'm listening to an audio book or I'm listening to a motivational speaker. Uh, when I'm doing my walks, I'm not listening to music. I'm listening to something that's going to soothe my, my mind and really put me in that positive state of mind. No, that's good. So are you doing 75 hard right now? I'm not. I need to, I need to get back at it for sure. Uh, I, I did finished, it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you did, yeah. I finished uh, 75 hard, phase one and phase two. So I need to do phase three. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I want to get back at it for sure. Yeah, no, I need to get back at it. I'm actually looking to do it. I'm saying end of July because when I did it in the winter here in yeah. Texas, I was able to do it. You oh, know, okay. super hot. So yeah. I want to beat the summer. So I tried to do it in the summer and it kicked my butt. So it's a yeah. new little thing I just want to try and do. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, <laughs> the crazy things we come up with, but I mean, it, it's just something that that's in my head. Um, right. So tell us a little bit more. I know you're doing the book stuff and all, and I know there's probably some people on here that might want to, um, you know, connect with you on that. Do you have like a website or a certain thing for them to connect for the authors or where, where can they find you? They can find me. Uh, they can go to my website as Caesar R. Make sure you put the R there, CaesarRespino.com. Uh, and then they can definitely find more about me or they can just follow me on pretty much all social media under CaesarRespino.com. Cool. Cool. And that has like your real estate stuff and everything yeah. on there as well. Right. Yep. 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 Sweet. So you did mention masterminds and stuff there. I went to one. Do you, yeah. So do you think masterminds are like a good thing for people to, to get involved in? And what are your thoughts on it? Cause I've heard people say yes. I've heard people say no. So 
Yeah, and, and, and it's funny you, you mentioned that on, on my uh, very last book, I'm actually, I talk a little bit about networks and I talk about masterminds, right? And I think part of the reason why there's a little bit of resistance as to why people don't want to go to masterminds is because they're going to sell me something. They're going to sell me a product. They're going to do this. And I said, well, if you, and so my, my thought process with that is if you go to the club, if you go to a bar, they're going to sell you drinks, Yep. right? It's yep. your choice whether or not you want to consume those drinks or not. It's the same thing on masterminds. Yeah, they're gonna sell you. They, yeah, for sure, they're gonna sell you a product. It is up to you whether or not you want to consume it or not. That's not the point. I believe that um, it is critical for you to be around the average five or people that are gonna edify you, are gonna help you, are gonna do different things to help you in your journey. Uh, outside of that, um, you do learn a lot of different things, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you're, for whatever reason, at that moment, you, you you don't feel like you're prepared to make an investment, that's fine. Go for the learning, go for the uh, the ideas, go for the networks, because oftentimes I would say 95% of the people that are in those masterminds are people that are playing at a higher level. They, they, they're trying to figure out what is going to be their next move. It's a different crowd than going to a bar or a club or something, and, and you're just throwing money away. So I, I, I firmly believe in masterminds. Yeah, no, that's good. Yeah, and I found the network part makes so much sense. Like I've connected... I went to a smaller one, but it was great. Yeah. And I connected to a bunch of different people, which just opened up yeah. the world to you. Well, and, and part of that too is when you go to those masterminds, um, you're going to find people that are going to work with you, right? Here, here's how I see the average five. And I, and I take it a little bit further, right? Your average five, I think, should be uh, composed of three different categories. Number one, you have someone that you're looking up to, someone that uh, is willing to help you someone that's done it already Mm -hmm. and they want to teach you um you can see that as a form of a mentor right so you go out and get a mentor whether it's gonna be whether it's a book or whether it's someone you're paying for it doesn't matter still a mentor someone's coaching you the next uh, category are people that are kind of at the same playing field as you are um except the difference between these people and other people is that they're not competing against you they're actually working with you they're Mm -hmm. edifying you you're creating joint ventures uh, and then the last group of people uh, are people that uh, are looking up to you. And now it gives you the opportunity to reach down and lift them up to your level. I, I, I call that, uh, you know, being uh, of service to somebody else. When you take all of those components, I think that should be your average five if you want success, not only in your personal life, also in your professional life. I myself have gone through so many masterminds, uh, you know, for the last couple of years, and I'm glad we're back at it again uh, mm-hmm. uh, for that, for those many reasons. I've created so many um, networks and I've actually created a lot of joint ventures with many of the people. Your guest prior to that, I met her at a mastermind and she's been in some of my books. You know, she's been in a couple of books uh, and, and I've done real estate transactions with people that have come up in my podcast. I've done all these different things. And again, I'm not competing, we're working together. You know, and so I do believe that that's uh, so critical. Yeah, no, that's true. Your network is your net worth. It really, yeah. it is, it's a true statement. Like the people right. you know and get around and having your tribe or whatever term you want to use, having people like you, because most people aren't like us entrepreneurs, salespeople. They're not. They right. think they want to do their nine to five, go home, drink a beer, do whatever. And we're sitting at home going, okay, cool. I'm going to do a podcast. I'm going to write a book. I'm going to do all this stuff. Um, right. Any last parting words you want for to give to my audience? Insights, tips? Yeah, there, there a few things. Number one, I'm, I'm not a, a relationship coach, uh, except I'm going to give you a relationship advice. Make sure that you are not cheating with 
your future, you're not cheating on your future with your past. Okay. Many people get hung up on that, right? You know, you're cheating on your future with your past because you're so hung up on the past and you're thinking about the past events and you're living in that moment. You have to stay focused to the, to the now moment. Uh, the, the way our mind works, right? Uh, 60 to 70,000 thoughts per day, 90% of them are, are, are repetitive and 80% of them are negative. There's a lot of garbage going on here. Right. And so you definitely got to be able to create um, a, a, a mechanism and you got to be able to create a routine and a discipline to be committed to making a change for yourself and focusing on what you're doing today. Always start with the end in mind and understand that you're going to get there sooner or later. And don't compare yourself with anybody else, because I see that a lot. People compare with themselves with other people. I'm like, we start at the same time and they're doing better than I am. Again, their journey is their journey. Their journey is their journey. Yep. Focus on your journey and just keep moving forward. No, that's amazing. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast, my friend. We'll have to do it again. Yes. Um, and, uh, and go check Caesar out on all his different places. Uh, you can find him on Facebook, his website, LinkedIn. Did I miss anything? No, that, yeah, LinkedIn, TikTok, Snapchat, all over the place. Check out just, his podcast. You can overcome yeah. anything. It's great. Do me a favor, go like his podcast, subscribe to it and share it and do that to mine as well. Thank you again for being on the 150K Club where we help you go from broke to six figures and beyond. Uh, We'll be talking to you soon. Thank you.